I already hear an echo. Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the Maze Blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bradley. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Is it real? Is it really happening? It's real, Chris. It feels so good. It's real. Yes, Chris. Tony Petrosky, I will see you Saturday. Well, I've already faded. Here. I've already faded out the intro music. I've faded out the fight song. I, I we're we're uh, we we've got booze in hand this week. It's Monday. It's game week, dude. In it feels like Christmas or something like I, you know, we, we, we were talking today, me, you and Trent, by the way, new addition to the staff. I don't know. Yeah. Talked about him a whole lot, but Trent coming over, um, going to do a lot of good work for us. So you and I, and the three of us jumped on a call today, kind of mapped out everything that we're going to do for the year here. Like it is all the way here. And I uh, <laughs> could that be, I could not be more excited about it. Chris, I don't want to put all your business in the street, but yeah, I'm sure people are going to notice a little different look behind you. It does look a little bit different. Want to disclose? Well, I listen, you know, uh, I think we've hinted at it at previous shows, but, you know, going through a, a bit of a move and uh, we, we made the move over the weekend and happy to report that we are we are now home in Ann Arbor and it couldn't be a better time I think to be making the move back to Ann Arbor the soundboard is off but I can see you clapping anyway so I look I went to press the button and I was like ah, <laughs> I'll do the golf clap uh, on the microphone but uh but yeah man it, you know we've been wanting to make the move ever since my wife and I you know we we lived in Chicago for a while and even before we had kids we wanted to move back to Michigan we wanted to move to Ann Arbor and it took uh about 10 years to make that happen to make that transition happen so it's good to be here I'm excited it already feels like home and uh yeah like I said perfect week perfect week so, to be in Ann Arbor so I'm in Ipsy Chris is in Ann Arbor we're a whopping 15 10 minutes apart from each other now the drive right in's going to be easier we think production's going to go up. We think efficiency's going to go up. I know Chris yeah. is super excited about that part, not having to drive an hour plus or probably two hours plus after game day, getting out of Ann Arbor sometimes. No doubt. Home. So no that's going to be really cool. Happy for you guys, man. Glad you're there. Glad you made it. Appreciate and that, it. That lets me explain a little bit. So we were pretty gung-ho about sticking to Wednesdays. We're like one show a week, dude. We're back in the saddle. Then we, we've got game week coming up, and then last week comes around. I'm in Houghton Lake with like the worst internet I've ever seen. It's storming every day. And you were balls deep in a move and you pretty much hit me up. You're like, dude, I, I we just, no, we, we don't got work. it. Yeah. We don't got yeah. it. I didn't love it because obviously the, the Jim Harbaugh suspension news had happened since then. Uh, the self-imposed three game suspension. I was like, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. But I was like, you know what? I'm on vacation. Chris's head might explode if he has to put one more thing on his plate. No doubt. Let's let's pack it in. Monday will be a big show. We'll get into all of that stuff. So that's where we're going to start, Chris. Jim Harbaugh suspended for the first three games. Overall outcome, like little to no impact. 
Yep. But we got a chance to talk to Harbaugh today at the press conference, and you could really see, and I wrote about this in one of the interesting things that he said. You know, he said people have been classifying this as like a slap on the wrist, missing these three games, these three non-conference games. He said it feels more like a baseball bat to the kneecaps. Like this dude, I mean, it's it could be anybody. Anything that you put your heart and soul into for the better part of a year and then kind of at the end you're 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 not allowed to partake in the finish line. Like that blows. Yeah. Like Michigan's going to win these games. We'll get into the head coaching setup a little bit later on just how it's going to be handled, but being there and seeing Jim Harbaugh talk about it today, you really got a sense of like, dude, he is like I mean, he said it. He's going to play. He's going to coach. He's going to die. And so now he can't coach his team on Saturday. I just wonder if you've really thought about that angle of it, because I, like, if we're being honest with ourselves, like th- they're going to win. Right. It, that's not really, that's not really what this is about. How do the players handle it? How do these new coaches jump in and wear the interim tag? And what does this ultimately do for Harbaugh when he comes back in week four? I'm going to answer that question, but I, I do want to let the people know. We talked about this last time we were on the show. We're trying to liven it up. We're trying to make it more exciting. I am, am currently drinking Chardonnay out of a snowman glass. Brandon, what are you working on over there? You showed me before little, we went live. Yeah, a little, it's a little summer shandy, just a beautiful okay. well, addition. For- and then you've got an ace in the hole. Well, you've, got a, you've got a just in case. <laughs> Listen, if the show really goes off the rail. We got some buzz balls here. Buzz ball. So for again, your boy. Tr- trying to liven it up. We're we're trying to bring a little more energy uh, for game week here. But as far as what it, <laughs> what, what is it? What? Cody Eagle, goatee and chains. Who's this new? Br- okay, first of all, it's not a goatee. <laughs> he just he just stepped out of the rap. He no, stepped no. out of the booth. I almost called it a rap booth. I would have lost all street cred had I said that. Let me wipe my tears. It's the not rapping just booth. A- it's not just a goatee. This is just the only part that grows in nicely for me. I'll turn to the side. I can see the rest of the, the yeah, yeah, I can see it. It's there. It's there. The chains has been, you know, something I've been trying out. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's working all right for me. I, I'll put it that way. Uh, but He's got uh, a little turquoise around the neck. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> please answer the please answer the question so we can stop um, focusing on this shit right now. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, yeah, I, we we did talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah. I think when when it was first uh, announced that there was some sort of deal with the NCAA and and what that would mean, and 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 it does suck. And I, and I think I had actually said something to the effect of when you you know Jim Harbaugh is the ultimate competitor, and you do you spend all off season mm-hmm. building your team, getting things ready, getting to a point where. You know, you feel like this is a national championship caliber team. And it's kind of like the way I felt about Ronnie Bell. Um, You know, when he went down with injury, I think it was against Western Michigan week one and then had to watch, you know, Michigan make an incredible run in in 2021. Just not being out there, not being a part of it. And, you know, from the outside looking in, somebody could say, yeah, it's just three games. But when you're somebody who puts everything you have into that product – to have to miss the first three weeks because we know how fast the season is going to go by right yeah. now we're heading into week one and before you know it it's going to be you know we're talking Penn State we're talking Ohio State and we're nearing the end of the season and so to miss three weeks I, I can imagine for a guy like Harbaugh really sucks but to your point as far as how it's going to impact the team you know the and I think Harbaugh alluded to this a little bit during the press conference today. The coaching staff that he has in place is, is elite, second mm-hmm. to none. Um, and then beyond that, the leadership that they have on this team. 
you know, from, from the offensive line to the defensive guys, the quarterback position, Blake Corm at the running back position, they just have so much leadership on this roster. I don't think you're going to see them skip a beat. So what it's going to mean in the big picture, not much at all, if anything. Uh, but what it means for Jim Harbaugh is, you know, it's, it's missing the first three weeks of a season. That's most people think is going to be pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's. I mean, everybody's done something, whether it's been, you know, a, a sporting event or if you were a, a musician or if you were, you know, you had a big event coming up and something's fallen through last minute like that. It sucks, man. It takes the wind out of your sails. I just think like if something came up within the next couple of days and, you know, you or I found out we couldn't like go to Listen, the game, I'd be like, Brandon, what? You, what? You, know, you know what it's like? It's almost kind of like loading yourself into an RV to drive to Iowa and then getting to like the state line between Iowa and Illinois and having your RV die on you. Whoa, whoa look at that. Look whoa, at that. Whoa. What is that all about? Well, we didn't plan that by the way, that just sort of happened here, but you know, it takes the wind out of your sails. You, you have a plan, yeah. you think things are going to go a certain way and then you find out pretty quickly that uh, they don't. Yeah. So Harbaugh was, you know, visibly a little bit bummed about that. And he was asked, and I, I believe him a thousand percent. He was asked like, what, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch it at home. I don't know if I'm going to turn it off. I don't know if I'm going to be, he said his son might have a, a, a game at the same time. He might just go to that. I, I just I feel like he's going to be in disguise somewhere in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. Maybe. Yeah, Tim Jarbaugh is gonna come walking through with a, <laughs> with a like a long hair. He can borrow that wig you wore up at Traverse City that one time. Who, who was who was that? Uh, Eli like Manning. What was what was Eli oh, yeah. Manning doing where he went to the Penn State camp? Something similar. Yeah. So no, I mean, so obviously kind of weird without Harbaugh being there. Um, but as you said, the staff that he's turning it over to, and this it's kind of a weird approach. I mean, I don't know if if it's ever really happened this way before, or it's kind of, it's kind of very on brand for Harbaugh to have a three game suspension and, and somehow get four coaches to be head coaches during those three games. But during the, during week one, so Michigan's season opener to start the season off on this potential national title run, you've got Jesse Minter, which I just coined right before we started. He's the Minterum coach this week. Love it. Phenomenal. The dude's sharp, man. He's a he's sharp. He is very well respected. Isn't he it knows. wild that not all that long ago we were questioned, like we like, heard Jesse Minter. We're like, yeah, who yeah. the hell is this guy? Yeah. Um, but he spoke today. You know, I, I asked him about it's got to be a little bit bittersweet. Like he's super excited for the opportunity. His defensive guys are pumped up for him. But at the same time, the head coach is not even allowed to be around them on Saturday. So that's a little bit strange, but he just seems so organized and detail oriented a lot like Mike McDonald was they they they've been described in a, in a very similar ways and yeah. and you see it you see it on the field with their units in one year with Mike McDonald just a year under the belt for Minner now he's back and he's going to be the head coach in the first week i mean dude i we've talked about this before there's like seven dudes who could be a head coach on this team like without even a question and i think he's certainly one of them even though he's younger and he hasn't been at Michigan for very long and you know, his previous experience while in the NFL in college was was at Vanderbilt. Like, that was where some of the question marks came from. But I think he's poised and ready. He talked about, you know, Harbaugh's still in the building coaching during the week, which is another part of it that's a little strange. The only thing he can't do is be there on game day. But somebody asked, you know, Minner, like, what are you going to do if it's fourth and goal? And he's like, 
<laughs> we'll see on Saturday. Like, I don't know, but it is funny to kind of think about guys like him making yeah. decisions like that and what it ends up looking like. I, I don't know. What what were, what are your thoughts on a Jesse Minter-led Michigan Wolverines team uh, taking on a sneaky ESU, uh, ECU team who can who can have some athletes and has put some dudes in the NFL over the last handful of years? I love it. I love it. I love that all of these guys are having an opportunity to step into a bigger role because, and I think you, you mentioned it um, not long ago, they're all going to be head coaches at some point. It feels like, feels like this year after this year. And I, and even Jim Harbaugh said it, I think during the summer that a significant amount of these assistants are probably going to go on to be head coaches or coach elsewhere. So um, really excited to see what these guys bring to the table. See, exci- I'm excited to see what the team looks like under their leadership. And then, you know, overall, like I said, I just I don't think there's going to be much of a difference. I think yeah. Michigan is going to play Michigan football. They're going to be dominant week one, dominant week two, dominant week three. And that's going to continue throughout the season. But, you know, to see these guys be able to step into a head coaching role, even if it's only for a half or a second half, as it's going to be with who is it? it's Mike Hart. And who is he splitting it with? Jay Harbaugh for week. Jay two. Harbaugh. Right. So they're each getting a half to sort of fill yep. that role. I mean, again, it's it's perfect Jim Harbaugh exactly <laughs> what you would expect out of him as soon as they released that I was like what in the hell is it but it makes yeah. perfect sense and I'm really happy to see all these guys get an opportunity because they all play I mean when we talk about how good this team is in every facet of the game these guys are a big reason why and so to be able to step into that role and have the spotlight for that week or that half or whatever it may be that's a, that's a great opportunity and really honestly like a couple guys not getting a shot could could do it. Mike Elson yes. was associate head coach yep. at Notre Dame. He's he's yeah. ready for that kind of role. Steve Klinkscale's been around forever. Dude yeah. could probably call the shots on a Saturday if you need him to. So there's there, Let me ask Brandon, you a question, Brandon. If it, legitimate, if I coached mm-hmm. all of week one, mm-hmm. does Michigan win? Yeah. Yeah. See, so that's I, I, I mean, and that's no disrespect to ECU. Michigan's just supremely more talented across the board. Uh, you, they're, they're going to be locked in and know that they can't get to 12 and 0 until you get to one and all. They're not going to let the season opener at home against ECU trip them up for everything that they want to do. I actually, Patrick, it's funny. I actually had the thought of asking Harbaugh about this today. I don't know how much information they would give. I wonder if JJ McCarthy is going to have a little bit more control to do some stuff at the line and to make some checks and make some calls and really kind of, put his hands on the game a little bit more than he would if Harbaugh were there, if Sharon Moore were there, especially this, this first week without Harbaugh and without Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, yeah. which we'll get into. And with um, his name is escaping me right now. Kurt Campbell, the quarterback's coach being the play caller who that's, that's JJ's guy. I wondered if JJ might have a little bit more control over what goes out on the goes on out on the field. And so that'll be interesting to see, too. So wanted to get into that as well. Sharon Moore, uh, we haven't been on since that's happened as well. He will he will be serving a one-game suspension for the same recruiting violations or whatever took place that, that's affecting Jim Harbaugh. Um, again, I don't see it as that big of a deal, a little bit of a blip in the radar. I'm sure, obviously, Sharon Moore wishes it didn't happen. But in the grand scheme, not a big deal. But you are losing – your offensive coordinator, your play caller, and your offensive line coach. So that's that's kind yeah. of a big deal. But again, you mentioned it, dude. I mean, Drake Nugent, if he wins the job at center, he's going to play a lot, whether it's him and Crippen splitting reps or whatever it is during this week one game. But then Keegan and Zinner, dude, they could coach the O-line 
they, yeah. they could coach. They could absolutely coach the O line, the leadership, and the veteran, uh, the veteran guys that they have up there. I don't think they're going to miss a beat with that either. But Sharon Moore suspended week one, uh, interim head coach week three. Kind of interesting. You talk about the split for week two. It's just welcome to Michigan. It's classic Harbaugh, <laughs> and I think it's cool though. I yeah. Let me let me ask it that. Let me ask it to you that way. When I first found out that there were going to be four guys coaching as the head coach for the first three games, I was like, dude, just pick one guy and just go with it. But then I kind of started to think more about what kind of an opportunity this is for these guys, how all of them are clearly ready. Jim Harbaugh is not going to give them the chance if they're not ready for it. And then I mentioned that there's even some other guys who might feel like, damn, I probably could have had that, had a shot at that. And we don't know what those conversations were like behind closed doors, but where, where do you fall on, this four coaches for three games and kind of, you know, you've got Sharon Moore not even there for week one and he's going to be the head guy for week three. It's, it's obviously very unique. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. anything like this. I think it's great because you have a handful of coaches who have been elite at, at what their respective jobs are. And, you know, to select one guy to handle it for the first three weeks, I think that would almost create a bigger issue because there's other guys who would be just as uh, just as able to do that. And so by spreading it around, yeah, it's very Jim Harbaugh. When I first heard it, I kind of like, you know, chuckled a little (laughs) bit. But when you sit back and look at it, every single person that's getting an opportunity to lead this team has legitimately earned it and has put in their time and has had phenomenal results on the field. And so I'm excited to see it. Like I said, I think it's a great opportunity for these guys, but I'm excited to see what they look like in the head coaching role, whether or not it's for a full game or for a half or whatever it may be. I'm excited to see how these guys handle that. Let's throw that in the mix too. Good point brought up here by Hassler 24 seven Ben Herbert getting a, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has taken every single opportunity to prop up Ben Herber and talk about yeah. how important he is to his program. He even nominated him as uh, as the best assistant coach in the country, even though he's not eligible as the strength and conditioning coach. I wonder if this new title changes that at all. I still it don't might. think that it does. But it just, again, I mean, when you ask, man, the, the, I don't know if I've ever seen a more in-line opinion of a person than I have for, for Ben Herbert, whether it's, you know, young players, veteran players, Harbaugh, the head coach, other assistants, other staffers, what it doesn't seem to matter who it is. They all speak about this dude the exact same way. You've probably been a little more up close and personal to him than I have being down on the field the last couple of years. Again, I don't know if I've ever seen a strength and conditioning coach as the associate head coach before, but why, why? Why is Harbaugh doing this for this dude? I just think the um, the mental toughness. You know, obviously he has he has a big impact on on the physical toughness of this team, but what he brings to the table from a mental standpoint and how he trains these guys and gets these guys ready. Everybody buys into his strength program, and I think he's just had such a big impact on, on this football program that it makes sense to, but when you're around them, you can feel it. Like, you know, you, you're in, you're, you're kind of around guys and they sort of have an aura about them. And I think Jim Harbaugh even mentioned it when he met him, like the eye contact you get from Ben Herbert is like, you almost feel like you have to look away because everything he does is just, there's an intensity level there that's clearly rubbed off on the team. So again, another guy that I'm, I'm really excited is having another opportunity because I think, you know, his future 
you know, not, not to minimize what, what he does, but might even be bigger than just strength and conditioning. I mean, this guy has all the intangibles you want out of a, out of a head coach, out of somebody in an important coaching position. And so just great for him. Great for the program. Excited to see it. We spoke to three players today, Cornelius Johnson, wide receiver, uh, transfer defensive tackle, Cam Good, and now full-time running back, Kalel Mullings. And I know for sure Mullings and Good both specifically mentioned Herbert as getting their bodies right for, you know, because Cam Good was coming from a different school. So things were a little different for him here. Kalel Mullings was switching positions, so he kind of had to go through a little bit of a transition and Cornelius Johnson may have also mentioned him too as wanting to get a little faster with his footwork and just a little bit more flexible. Or I can't remember exactly what he touched on, but I know two of the three guys today, again, unprompted, brought up Herbert. I don't know if that goes on in other programs, but it happens. Almost every single availability that we have, that dude will come up in some way, shape, or form. And you see it. Michigan's been able to stay relatively healthy. They've been able to develop guys and put guys in the league. Some of the big power positions have been some of Michigan's most successful spots along the trenches. Yeah. I mean, dude, the, the guy's resume writes itself, and now he's got an associate head coach uh, tag next to his name, which, again, I I don't know about every other program in the country. I know there have been some very well-thought-of assistant um, strength and conditioning coaches at different big-time programs. I don't know if I've ever seen the associate head coach tag on one of those guys. Um, I, I just think it speaks to – how important he is to Michigan right now. Yeah. And, and as we're talking about this, I can't help but go back to, you know, the, the 2020 season and the way that things looked. And I get that it was a COVID year, but just the way that things looked with the program overall. Let me ask you this question. As it stands today, and you might be a little bit biased in, in you know, some limited knowledge in terms of, you know, who are who's filling certain positions. Would you trade this Michigan coaching staff for any other staff in the country? Would you swap them out for anybody else right now? I mean, I, I can say no quickly without having to actually go through and see like, oh, who's on what staff. But I, when I, you know, we get a chance to talk to all these guys, they stand in front of us, they speak about their units, they speak about how they coach, they speak about what they do. You hear it from the players, you hear it from chemistry, Harbaugh. brotherhood, all I of mean, that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can't think of, I guess I'd put it this way because I don't know who makes up the staffs of every other team. It's kind of a hard sure. question to answer, yeah. but I don't think there's a trait or a quality. I would say like that guy's missing that, like that, that guy needs to be, more of this or less of this or better at that. Like, I don't think there's a glaring thing for any one of the guys on the staff. And that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be rare, even at the best of the yeah. best programs. And, and, and I guess my point is how dramatically things have changed in Ann Arbor to where yeah. it's even like, you know, we've had no issues about being critical if things are going wrong or things seem to be trending in the wrong direction to be sitting here heading into 2023 and think that this is legitimately the best top to bottom coaching staff in America. Once again, it's just a testament to the work that Jim Harbaugh has put in, seeing it through putting the right people in place and getting this program to a point where entering this season, it really feels like this is the year that all of that work has been building towards a year like this, where all the pieces are in place in terms of who's on the roster, who's on the coaching staff. It just, it's, it's been amazing to see. I mean, hell, Think about my first two years covering the program, 2021 and 2020. That's all I know is covering a successful program. And so I I wouldn't know what to do with anything else. 
Yeah, you're like uh, you're like JJ. You know, when we sat down with that That's interview, it. It was like, "That's all we know." So all I know. Beating Ohio State. All I know is going to Indy. You know, for the Big Ten championship, uh, college football playoff, Miami. You know, just wherever it is we need to go. Arizona. My first year was covering hoax last year, so slightly different <laughs> different mode for me. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's been an incredible two-year run. I mean, everybody expects it to continue this year. Michigan is, you know, absolutely poised for a uh a, a deep run. And I'm I'm excited to be to be gearing up six days away, dude. Yeah. Six days. Five, Why? I guess, really, if you don't count today's pretty much over. We got today's over. This week. Yeah. Five days. Five days until we are. I said this to you today, man. I really you know, we're, we get a little jaded. We get a little bit used to things. We go numb to it a little bit. I just remember, like, you know, where we grew up, mid-Michigan. I didn't come down to this part of the state a whole lot. Yeah. So driving by the big house was like, it, w- it was like, oh, my God, there's the state. Like, I couldn't, I almost couldn't believe it when I would drive by it. I'm like, that's incredible. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, I wish I could see it every day. Now I almost do. And so that's kind of wore off a little bit. But there, dude, there is still a feeling and a vibe and an electricity when you are walking up to that stadium on a fall Saturday that I can't, I can't wait for. I just can't wait for it. And the team is expected to be so good. And I just want to see so many different things about what this team can do. I'm freaking pumped, dude. I'm pumped. I'm ready to I'm get to the up. stadium. And I, yeah. I told you this, like with everything that's been going on in my life, with the move and getting the kids in school. And I mean, there's just been a lot of shit happening. Like I am excited to go watch some college football on Saturday in the best venue. What I believe is the best venue in the world, take some photographs and just enjoy Michigan football, man. The off seasons, like I remember when they weren't doing well, the off seasons felt very long. It turns (laughs) out even when they do well, the off seasons still feel long. And and when this time comes around, I mean, the weather's changing a little bit. It's just such a beautiful time of year, man. My favorite time of year. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it, yeah, it's getting. It's starting to you get, feel a little crisp out there. A little it's crisp. To, I think it got down into ah. the forties last night. We we had all the windows open in the house. We woke up. We were freezing our ass off. Yeah, dude. it was great. It, it's coming. It's coming. Um, real quick, I wanted to make a mention of this because I I didn't even really know. I, I full disclosure, I didn't know who Jim Harbaugh was referring to. Um, but Nick Gilbert, uh, an offensive analyst that just joined the staff earlier this year. Uh, in February, as a matter of fact, uh, is going to take place of Sharon Moore because nobody can replace Harbaugh on the field, but they are allowed to add another position coach for the on-field duties while Sharon Moore is out on suspension. So just he spent a season at Colorado. Um, he used to work with Michigan analyst Kyle Devan. Um he was at Idaho. He, anyway, young guy, but Michigan will have a replacement for uh, Sharon Moore, but not for Harbaugh himself. And I, I didn't. Yeah. That part never even really crossed my mind. I hadn't thought about it really until it was asked about today. So thought I would at least bring that up and fill everybody else in because I certainly didn't know that that's how it worked. But anyway, no replacement for Harbaugh except for one of the people who's on staff, and then they were able to bring an analyst down onto the sidelines to. Uh, actually officially coach one of the positions. So he must be the offensive line analyst that works hand in hand with Sharon Moore. Well, now the young bucks going to get to make some calls and figure some stuff out on game day. So that's, 
obviously kind of a cool thing for him too. Chris, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. We talked about it, but Harbaugh did today. Your torso? <laughs> Damn it. Not plugged in. I wanted to go back to the well again. Son of a bitch. A goddamn echo. It's ruining the production value of the show. I did I? I didn't. I'm gonna have to turn it on for a minute. You're gonna have to suck it up. Go ahead. For just Flip a it minute. on. Not, Flip not, it on. Not right now. Not for that. Oh, okay. All right. When we do TFG, got oh, gotta yeah, have yeah. it for TFG. Well, you gotta have. For, don't we have to have it for burning questions too? Or is that too long of a segment? That I, might I be too like, long. I feel like it's too long of a segment. I feel like it would just it would drive you crazy. But I think we can get by on the TFG and hit the yeah, we a can couple do that. times. All right. So. What I'm referring to is uh, the way that Jim Harbaugh started his press conference today, which he doesn't normally do. I mean, even at like Big Ten media days, some of the coaches get up there with this six, eight, ten minute prepared statement. Harbaugh usually goes off the dome for 30 seconds and then lets questions kind of fire away. Today, he sh- <clears throat> excuse me. Today, he showed up at his press conference with a pretty well thought out and written statement about the current state of of the NCAA and the financial setup that is college sports, which it was in a, it was in a trapper keeper, right? He came in with a binder, new kids on the block <laughs> on the front. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, he just made a reference and he, he, he was very specific to say, I, I talked about this in 2020. I've talked about it last year, the year before that. I didn't just wake up this morning and decide to talk about this. He didn't add this part, but in, in air quotes, we're thinking, you didn't just wake up this morning and decide to talk about it now that you're suspended. Like that's what it felt like. And it definitely yeah. probably was a bit of a veiled shot, but he has talked about this before, but he was just talking about, you know, the millions and billions with a B dollars of, you know, ad revenue and the TV deals and what, what the coaches are getting paid and what the, the universities are bringing in and trying to think of some better way that the talent, he kept using the word talent, the on-field talent, can can get their fair cut and you know college football traditionalists don't like it um former what was his title was it mark emmert was like never gonna happen on my watch basically just completely shooting down the idea of something like this but harbaugh's always abdicated for stuff like this he was at the forefront and that's why they hate him brandon that's why they're trying to take him down that's it true he was at the forefront of the the transfer portal and now people are throwing a fit about that. He was all about traveling around the country for the satellite camps, which all that yeah. did was give more exposure to the players. They shot that down. He was now on stage out. taking selfies with Migos. You know what I mean? Like he was the guy, like he, he was out yeah. front. He was doing all of it. Yeah. So now he's out front talking about this. And again, we don't need to spend a ton of time here, but. I mean, players got to be loving it. The players were asked about it and they always, they all said, he's always got our back. Like that, yeah. that, this is nothing new. The topics might change, but this is how he is. This is who he is. I don't know, man. Thoughts on, on a topic that I'm frankly a little bit sick of talking about getting payers played. It just seems to be at the forefront of so many people's discussions right now. But the fact that Jim Harbaugh is doing what he's doing again for his guys. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, there's, there's a couple different angles to this. I think, for him as a head coach to come out and to make a statement like that as a player, as a recruit, somebody hearing that, I just think that that that's everything you want to hear from your head coach is somebody, not just who's, you know, coaching any program, but this is Jim Harbaugh at the university of Michigan coming out with a very strong statement okay, about, you say, about profit before sharing. You say anything else. It's so crazy that you brought this up. I had this exact thought 
when I left. I started thinking about different coaches at different programs and who would be able to deliver a message the way yeah. Jim Harbaugh did. And there's not very many. Not very many. A, no, I think that's a huge point that you. This just is made. this is on par with Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, like yes. those guys coming out and making a statement like this. Like this is a big deal, and so for him to to you know be leading from the front on this, I think is phenomenal. But I think you also said it in, in the lead into your question that look, I, I I love the players. I love that people are advocating for them. I want to see them get paid, and I think you know things are trending that way. But I'm also sick as a fan. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, you're dealing with conference realignment, like the landscape yeah. of college football is changing, the transfer portal, which, to be honest, has worked in Michigan's favor quite a bit. And even I'm, I, I'm still kind of just annoyed with like all of the outside stuff. I just, I'm, I'm excited for college football, and and I'm trying to not become that old head who's like, you know fist in the air, like, well, they shouldn't be sharing in the profits and they shouldn't be doing this. Like, I, mm. I love all of that, but I'm just ready for actual game of football. Like everything else that's sort of surrounded college football and how it's becoming, you know, it's always been big business, but now the players want their cut as well. And things are changing. I just, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love what Harbaugh said, but I'm also tired of the conversation. So, like, yeah. the powers that be need to figure it out. I'm glad he's advocating for it, but I just want to watch good football. I mean, Harbaugh, he did he did make it a point multiple times today while he was talking about it to be like, I don't have the answers. I don't know exactly what the fix is. I don't know how you fix it completely, but need to get some people in a room. Yeah. Kind of what you just said, you know, legal people and people from the conferences and people from the NCAA and yeah. a voice. He mentioned multiple times too that he wanted to be a voice for the voiceless, which is the players right now, yeah. the student athletes. Well, and I and I think when people look at this, they look at it like guys like you and I mostly look at it through the lens of what it means for college football and college football yeah. players. But when you talk about you know these massive TV deals that are happening and, and how it ties into conference realignment, and then you have you know college soccer teams and softball teams who now have to travel to the West coast and they're playing multiple yeah. games a week. It's, it's stressful on the student athlete. And if there's a way that they could share in the profits from these massive deals that are being done, that are taking these kids all across the country. Yeah. It's cool to have the experience, but you also have to, it's a lot, man. Like we, we travel a lot for this job and it's phenomenal. It's also taxing Spending yeah. time away from your family, time away from home. You, you know, you got a lot of things going on. And so I think, one of the things that's good about what Harbaugh said is, you know, obviously he's coming at it as a football coach, but what this means is that student athletes in every sport are starting to share in this, not just football, but it's, it's all athletes can benefit from the massive changes that are occurring in college athletics, um, which is in large part and in, in all part due to money. That's what's driving yeah. all of this. And so the people that are making it happen on the field or on the court or wherever it may be should have a little piece of that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a hard thing to argue. I mean, when the, the money's as big as it is and who who's – Harbaugh said this today too. Who are those people there to see? I mean, yeah, they're there to see Michigan. And there's been that argument before. Like, okay, you take – player X out of that Jersey and put someone else in there that people are still going to show up. But like the point, the the fact remains is those people are there watching those players. Yeah. You know, when CBS and ESPN and ABC runs a promo 
It's Blake Corum running through the running through the running through the hole as a part of their commercial to get people to tune into the big game coming up on Saturday. I, I don't know how you can really fight against it. I really don't. Like I'm with you. I don't like talking about it. I don't know how it's going to work out. It does seem to be a slippery slope a little bit, and things are changing really, really fast. But, but see, that's the that's the flip side. Is I also maybe this makes me an asshole, but this is just how I feel. I also don't want. I'm not going to say I don't want, I'm just having a hard time accepting college athletes making millions of dollars as well. Yeah. Like I, you know, it, there is something about like when I think about college football and w- what it meant, you know, when I was a little bit younger and when you would watch that and the vibe you would get, these were all guys that were fighting for an opportunity to have a big payday at the next level. And it just kind of felt college football just felt different. It felt special. And I think with a lot of these big NIL deals that are happening out there, and then you start to talk about revenue sharing, it just, you know, (laughs) it's, it's basically semi-pro football at this point, which I don't know that it's a bad thing, but it's not, it's different than, than what we grew up watching. If you believe the NIL valuation for Caleb Williams, he's making more money this year than Joe Burrow. No, that's, that's wild. That's 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 a wild angle. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, who is still on his rookie deal. I mean, when he gets his extension, it's going to be a different story. But right now, yeah. he's still on his rookie deal, and that's you know that's that's crazy to think about. Like, dude, like a Blake Corum might be making more money than several running backs in the NFL, given what's going on at that position right now. I mean, he's done pretty well with NIL. I know JJ McCarthy just was in the news with the uh, the Beats by Dre deal. I'm sure that wasn't pennies like that's a that's a billion dollar that that's that sale of beats by dre to uh was it apple was it apple that bought beats from uh i'm not sure that's that's more up your avenue brandon billion dollars is the point i'm making dr dre made a billion dollars off of that sale so we're talking they got a little bit of money to throw around is the point i'm trying to make i'm sure jj did pretty well uh with that deal so yeah i'm i'm with you it's a little bit strange I don't love parts of it. It's hard to argue against like, no, you can't say that the players don't deserve it. That's, that's where it stops. That doesn't mean I have to love how it feels and looks and, you know, compares to what I used, what I'm used to and what I grew up on. But it, I don't know, man, to be honest, I feel like if people at the NCAA, because to me, I feel like that's an honest take. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like the way that it's changing or it yeah. feels or whatever the case is, but you can't make a case against it. You, when you yeah, look at you why all the revenue, like all these massive TV deals that are occurring, it's because of the talent on the field, the talent on the court. It's because of the, the players that make up the game. So to say that they shouldn't have a stake in it, to me, I, 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 I'm not sure other than this, you know, they're college kids. They, you know, they're getting a free education if they're on scholarship. Well, you know, it doesn't matter because it's hard to make that case when you're also profiting millions and millions of dollars off of these deals and they're getting nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's gotten better now, but I mean, you, you think back to like a, like a Reggie Bush or so. how many yeah. number five USC jerseys were in the stands every Saturday Dude, for that. Denard deal? Robinson. I mean, the, Unreal. The, the, the best Michigan example I can yeah. think of is Denard Robinson, a guy who, you know, during dark times kept the program on his back was exciting to watch. Like it was shoelace yeah. this shoelace that guy would have raked in a ton of cash if NIL was around. And instead, uh, you know, we were having to buy uh knockoff jerseys on, on eBay. 
to get his shirts, name plate on the back. Shirts with dreads with printed dreads. on the back. <laughs> Come on. Who was, who was making money on that? Because it wasn't Not Denard. Denard. Not Denard. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, that? Can you imagine, Brandon, if somebody put on a shirt with your turquoise necklace on it and started <laughs> selling that and making profits as like a Brandon Brown t-shirt and you got hey, nothing? Hey, hey. There's plenty of Brandon Brown to go around. Okay. <laughs> plenty. Plenty. Uh Jesus, this isn't even the turquoise one. I'll I'll wear that one for you on Saturday. I'll have it on just for you. That's right. We also need that shirt too. Double chain turquoise pendant. We need that shirt. We we do need that shirt. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how this goes, Chris. If it if it oh, blows boy. up in your ear immediately, just let me know and I'll turn it back. Up. But Got it. this fucking guy. It's oh not, boy, it's, it's so good to hear it. It's so good to hear it. This fucking guy. It does feel pretty good. Man, this fucking guy. You gonna lead us off, Brandon? It's been missing for a while. Well, I wanted you to do it. I wanted okay. you to lead us off because I have one, but it's I don't love it. And I'm thinking maybe I'll hear what you went with, and maybe it'll spur something on in me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd like to, you were you were pretty quick to say like, oh, oh I've got yeah. one this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- for sure. And it's not all that exciting, but my TFG, it's me, Brandon. It's Whoa. me because I have been so spread thin, so <laughs> stretched. This is, should be a time where I'm like in the bunker getting ready for football. And instead, you know, this past weekend, I was renting U-Hauls, moving things. I've got closing on a house on Friday, the eve of Michigan's first game. I've got my kids starting school this week. I have stretched myself so unbelievably thin over the last week or so, and it's going to continue this week. I could have started earlier. I could have started this process a lot earlier, but I waited just so that it would fall right on game week, opening week of the season. And so for that reason, Brandon, I'm I'm naming myself EFG of the week. Why would I do this to myself? Why? We... We've, uh, I feel like we've, I feel like we've both, you said before we got on today, you're like, I'm pretty sure this guy's been the TFG mm-hmm. or I think we've both nominated ourselves before. Um, yeah. okay. Well, that doesn't make me feel as bad about mine. Mine was just going to be kind of like, and this is, the, this is the thing. People probably don't give a shit about my cutesy little story from last week's vacation. Oh, That's boy. where my mind went, but there were, you know, we haven't watched a game yet. I was trying yeah. to think. Is there somebody from the Notre Dame game I could bring up? Is there somebody from the the USC game that I could bring up that I watched? Eh, not really. Nothing was really jump jumping to mind. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Scott Brown. This fucking guy. I'm gonna put Scott Brown on blast as a TFG. We rented a pontoon boat while we were at Houghton Lake. Now, who is Scott Brown for the people who don't know? Senior father. Papa Brown. Papa Brown. Papa Brown okay. The original it. Coach Brown. Uh. 62 spry pretty good yeah. shape worker can still get out there and get after it blue collar guy starting to really show some old man tendencies though they're coming up and they're coming yeah. up quickly we rented a pontoon boat while we were up there in houghton lake scotty is in charge of you know parking the boat getting it strapped in you know i would do a little bit here a little bit there he was stepping off the boat caught a toe caught a toe on the Anchor chain, okay. Fraser, under wow. the water, fully clothed, carrying food, towels. Came up, six or eight people sitting at their camp, uh, 
stand up and cheer. Woo! <laughs> not a drip, not a drip of alcohol in his system. None. Just, just, just old man. Just sixty-two. <laughs> had enough for the day. Yeah. Well, I wish no it. Would, I wish I would have caught it on every time after that for the next for the rest of the week. I videotaped him getting off the boat. Never caught it again. Unfortunately, that was the only time. Uh, or for, well, I don't know. Wherever you fall on it, fortunately or unfortunately, that was the only time it happened. And uh, you know, he was fine. No, no injuries. A little bit of a scuff on the toe. Yeah, but uh, no worse for the wear. Well, let me say. Let me say this in response to that. I am thirty nine years old, guy, and I know that you and I are are, are roughly the same age here. Yeah, I am. You know. I hope I'm in that good a shape when I'm 62 because oh. how I feel now, I'm concerned <laughs> what 62 is going <laughs> to. He's in the house. <laughs> there you go. He he heard you talking shit. Uh, I, I, on my current trajectory here, I'm concerned for what 62 <laughs> is going to look like. Not just for me, but for you too, Brandon. I mean, 62 on both of us, like we are, uh, if, if we can be in as good a shape as Scott Brown when we're 62, Listen. I think we'll be all right. A couple weeks ago, we were up at my uncle's house helping him build a barn. Dude, I'll tell you where my dad was and where I was not, which was up on the roof of the barn, tacking nah. down metal. Dude, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not no. getting on a roof. You kidding me? If I'm on a barn roof, I won't make it to 62. Yeah, I got, I got a, I got a crippling fear of heights. My knees start to knock. I, I can't, I can't do it. He's the oldest one out there. There were seven of us working, ranging from. We had a youngster out there. He was about 18. And then my, you know, my uncle's late fifties, my dad, you know, between me and, you know, 39 and 62, yeah. he was whooping ass, dude. I mean, it you're was pretty impressive, you're, actually. You're, at this point, you're built for the booth. Okay. You shouldn't be on a roof. Love you it. Shouldn't be, you know, you're built for the booth. Put it on a shirt. Built for the booth. <laughs> With like cookie crumbs and shit. <laughs> Great face for radio. Built for the booth. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's a little bit more fitting. A little, right, well, a little cookie. Some diesel on deck, just fountain just diesel flowing. Unlimited fountain Mountain Dew at oh, your disposal. Oh I my can't goodness. wait. That's all coming wait. too, Brandon. Is that just football? Think about all of the food you're going to have up there. Gang, gang. Oh, I can't wait, it. dude. I can't wait. I can't wait for an unlimited supply of diesel on Saturday. Whew, I, need, I need that as a drop as well. <laughs> Let me mark that down. 46.15. We'll give it a look, see how it comes. All right. Uh, well, okay. So you said you said the uh, oh, damn dude that my reputation's really good. Brady says in the booth with his box fan. Brady, <laughs> I don't even know who you are, dog. That's pretty good. That's pretty well, good. The people know. The people know about the box fan. Oh, all right. So, all right. So we did the TFG drop. I had the I had the soundboard turned back on. The echo yep. was not. It wasn't. You weren't feeling it. I was. I was already getting feedback. All right. So, it's good so to I know guess that that problem has not resolved itself since last season. Yeah, so I guess we're not going to have any music for burning questions. We're just going to have to launch it. into the segment. I, I mean, I could start it and then just turn it off. I mean, I don't, you know, does that even matter? Let's just get the start of it. I need, the, I, need I need to hear it. I need the vibe. It does. It does really set the tone. It does, doesn't it? Do you want to try to let it let it ride for a let's minute? Let it, let's let it roll. And if I if I tell you it's got to go off, it's got to go off. All right. Do you want to start? You want to start? I'll us kick up? us off. Burning questions. I'm so happy this is back, Brandon. This is one of my favorite segments that we do. I'll kick it off. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the transfers. Michigan pulled in a ton of transfers this offseason, and not just random guys, but guys that factor to be, you know, they're gonna be major players this year. I'm curious which of the transfers that have come in do you think are going to make the biggest impact in 2023? And just as a refresher, we got Miles Hinton, Drake Nugent, Ladarius Henderson, AJ Barner. Uh, we got Hausman. We got jo- or I'm sorry, Josiah Stewart and Kicker. Is it Josh Turner? I know his last name's Turner. Josh Turner, I believe. Oh, Jacob Turner. Jacob are you Turner? sure? Are you sure? Somebody confirm that. I believe it's Josh Turner. Somebody confirm that in the comments. Who do you think is going to make the biggest impact in 2023 out of all of those transfers? I got my answer, and it's the guy you didn't mention who actually is named Josh, and it's Josh Wallace. Josh Wallace. He's not even on my list. It's Josh Wallace because absolutely had to have him. Had to have him. James Turner, Josh Wallace. See, okay. that's what it was. I had them both. I said Jacob. I was pretty anyway. cool. Whatever. It's Josh Wallace. It's it's Josh Wallace because if he can if he can lock down that starting cornerback spot opposite Will Johnson, and he's played over two thousand snaps, it, it will completely shore up the one and only question mark on Michigan's roster. Yeah, I think Ernest Hausman is going to be incredibly productive. I think if, you know if your two tackles. If your two starting tackles are transfers, clearly they're going to have a big impact on what you do, especially with Michigan running the ball the way that they do. But I think importance-wise, you know, need how much he's going to do for for the whole, I'll go with Josh Wallace at cornerback. I was really wondering how Michigan was going to replace Olu. And what I've heard about Drake Nugent so far in camp from the other offensive lineman, he's a dog, high motor. This is a guy that just outworks everybody. I know that we've heard that Greg Crippen is going to be in the in the mix as well, and I, and I do think that's true to a certain extent. But I think Drake Nugent is going to have a massive impact on this offensive line. I think he's going to be exactly what they need up front. And, and for that reason, to me, the biggest impact as far as transfer goes, Drake Nugent in 2023. Man, last year I was so high on on Olu. This year, it's Nugent. I thought I figured for sure there was going to be a drop off at center, and then they bring in yeah. a guy like Nugent, and I'm like, he might be just as good. Yeah, that's. I mean, it speaks to the level of I mean, AJ Barner. You, I think we mentioned him briefly. AJ Barner as well. And the, the the impact that some of these guys. I didn't mention have. Jack Tuttle. You know, there were a couple guys Jack I didn't mention, Tuttle. but you know, we we know who's going to play that position. Yeah, a lot of guys to choose from, and probably could be right about four or five of them, which is crazy to think about on an already stacked team, new guys on an already stacked team. Several answers make a lot of sense. All right. Veterans, former captains. I know it. Good guys. Let's get here. Let's get here on Saturday. Um, My first question is, uh, so you've got Darius Clements. He's rocking the zero. He's six, three, he's two fifteen. He looks like a brick shit house. Dude looks like he's ready for the NFL today. Got Omarion Walker. Looks like he's an all-time DB now, but the the way he was built and put together as part of that wide receiver core. And then you've got busted up knee, tiny little Tyler Morris. Is Tyler Morris your locked up number three receiver for this season, Chris? Is that your guy? Yes. I think it's Tyler Morris. um, You know, based on what we heard JJ McCarthy say about Tyler Morris and the connection that those guys have together. Um, I just think Tyler Morris is such an underrated asset on this team 
that I think as the season progresses, he's going to be one of those guys that goes from a virtual unknown to almost kind of like that Ronnie Bell type mold where you start off highly underrated and by the end of your career, you're the premier go-to guy. That's the trajectory I see for Tyler Morris. And he's got a great connection, chemistry with J.J. McCarthy. And so I, I think it's it's all up for, for uh, Tyler Morris. Yeah, yes. Uh, from everything we've heard, I mean, we don't have a lot to go from, you know, in terms of what he's done in, in Ann Arbor. But And a lot of, a lot of people forget he was – he was higher ranked coming out of high school than Darius Clemens. Like Darius Clemens gets a lot of love because when you look at the guy, like physically, he just looks like he fits the mold. He fits the part, but yeah, Tyler Morris, I think he's, he's legit. And people are going to find that out this year. A couple cool things real quick here. Roman Wilson in the one. I love, love it. Love it. That felt, felt so good to hear that news and to see Look that. Awesome. Yeah. You remember the last time this happened was Nico Collins and we never got to see it. 2020. Right. It, it never, it never made its yeah. way out of the field. So super excited about that for, for Roman. Um, Can I just say that I, I did say during the offseason that to me, Roman Wilson is going to be wide receiver number one. I know a lot of people are looking at Cornelius Johnson and, you know, he's had some production there. But to me, what Roman Wilson bl- brings to the table, not just in the short game intermediate, but he can take the top off of the secondary as well. I think that guy is going to live up to that number one. Different, different players, all three of those guys, and I feel like they right. all it's going to fit in together well. Then you've got, you know, Loveland going up and down the seams, and it, it, it's yeah, Donovan Edwards out of the back. Jeez, let's get here Saturday. All right, and then Megan, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, offense and defense, you've got a lot of duplicate numbers. So Mikey will still be in zero. Clemens will still be in zero. The only time you have to change something like that is if they're both on like a special teams unit, maybe if they're but. It worked last year, so I would assume it's going to work this year. It is interesting to point out, too, that Tyler Morris played more snaps and had more production than Darius Clemens and Omarion Walker combined last year. So kind of yeah. like the forgotten guy. Like you said, he was he was hurt when he got to Michigan. And he doesn't look – I mean, it's not a knock on the guy. Not everybody can be built the same way, but he doesn't look like the other two. He just doesn't. But he could be that guy. So interesting. Your, uh, your turn. Oh, <laughs> It's me. It's my turn. Uh, This is going to be a very, (laughs) we are back. Very straightforward question, Brandon. We talked about it a little bit uh, early in the show. Do you think we see any in-game issues with Harbaugh not being on the sideline for the first three weeks? Do you think we see any sort of hiccups or is it business as usual as Michigan uh, embarks on their new season? You know what? I'm going to say, yeah, because we see hiccups with Harbaugh clock management and you know what what was that call i mean you see it it's still the beginning of the season it's still ironing some things out it's still a new role for a lot of these guys i don't i say i don't nothing major but i I think we'll see like uh yeah men probably wishes he had that one back like i think that's just football i think you'll see it a little bit here a little bit there i mean harbaugh's been doing this forever and he still you know bones up every once in a while i i don't think anybody's immune to that i don't think it's like I said, I don't think it's anything that's going to be like, oh, that, that was a mistake to put him in that role. But I think you'll see a speed bump here or there. I think that's just natural. It comes with the territory. Same. Yeah, I think you'll see some some minor penalties, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's the result of Harbaugh's absence. I think it's just, okay. you know, week one, week two type things. You're going to run into that type of stuff. Um, but again, we talked about it earlier in the show, the leadership that they have on this team. There's an elite coaching staff in place. A lot of those guys are going to go on to become head coaches elsewhere. So for that reason, I, you know, I don't think there's going to be many hiccups, certainly not any that are going to be affected by Harbaugh's absence. 
I, I guess I'll just ask it until it happens, Chris. I don't know if it's on your list again or not. We've talked about it a million times. Does J.J. McCarthy break the touchdown passing record at Michigan this season? 26. Well, He's only got to get 26. It is on my list, and it was number one on my list. And, you know, you had 25 touchdown passes by Chad Henney in 2004 and Elvis Gerback in 91. Yep. So it's been a minute, 2004, yep. since a Michigan quarterback has done that. Look, he was at what, 22 last year? Yeah, I think that's right. In a very run-heavy offense. I think if if they if the offense looks the way that Jim Harbaugh has said it's going to look and some of the players have alluded to that they are tossing the ball around a little bit more, you, you um, add to the fact J.J.'s matured a little bit. He's had a year as a starter under his belt. I do think I, – I look, we've compared it to, you know, different quarterbacks around the country, quarterbacks at Ohio State. Throwing 26 touchdown passes in a season is not a lot for a college quarterback. I think certainly if this year is going to be as good as everybody thinks it's going to be, J.J. McCarthy is going to break that record. It just is – it's just not a hard record to break. It really isn't. It's it just really not. Isn't. As two guys who are not athletic and do not play college sports. Well, well, I mean, come on, Brandon. Are we athletic? Are we athletic? We like to play sports, but are we athletic right now? Right now? That, that, no, that's a different kind of, that's a different there question. You go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, athletic back in the day, sure. <laughs> I just, I don't want to think about it. It just bring it just brings up more stuff that you know. As as we sit here today, we are the before picture, before the weight loss, before you know what I mean. We're just we're not in game shape right now, is what I'm trying to say. Built for the booth, dude. I'm 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 coin. I like that. I like. I'm writing it down. We actually had a we had a person in here. I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Booth, and he was like, "I am loving that." Did you see that? There he is, Nate Booth. Hey, look at that. Built for the booth. Built for the booth. Yeah, that's strong. Um, yes, but Brandon gonna... McGraw, they're not going to run 75% of the time this year. That's what we've been told. It's going to be more of a 50-50 deal. And if that's the case, I mean, throwing more than 25 touchdown passes just seems like a given. And look, guess who's calling plays week one? The QB coach, bro. He's going to sling it around. You might six get six. Half. You might get six out of McCarthy in week one. No, we're probably not going to see that. In fact, Jim Harbaugh was kind of asked about that today. You know, like, is there going to be a big philosophical change? And I, I'd be shocked if it looks any different week to no. week, even with four different guys being the head coach and at least two different guys calling I mean, plays listen, a little bit. Here. He can't be on the sidelines, but he can he can absolutely have a hand in the game plan. Yeah, no, there's no, no. question. Um, I was trying to find the, the number – I, no, it's not all quarterbacks. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Here's my question, Chris. We all know what, what Blake Corum was able to do last year. If it weren't for the injury, he probably would have been in New York. Might have even taken the Heisman home. Kind I of don't think there's any doubt he's in New York. Kind of defaulted down the ladder and you know landed in Caleb Williams' lap. Chris, is there a Michigan Wolverine in New York for the Heisman ceremony this year? By the way... J.J. McCarthy has the fourth best odds, not Blake Corum, to be a Heisman hopeful. I think he's like 16 to 1 or something like that, and Blake is maybe 30 to 1 or something. I, I'm, that, I was trying to find those exact numbers, but anyway, it does Michigan get a guy there this year? 
They do because I think the season's going to be as big as most people expect it to be. I do think now I'm I'm not sure that they win it, but I do think the Wolverines play for a national championship this year. And if everything goes according to plan, I'm not sure who it is. I don't know if it's JJ. I don't know if it's Blake Corm. Hell, I don't know if it's Donovan Edwards. Yeah. But there will be a, a Michigan Wolverine representing Ann Arbor in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I I have little doubt about that. I misspoke myself. JJ McCarthy is sixteen hundred plus sixteen hundred to win the Heisman. Yeah. Right now, the front runner is Caleb Williams, ranging from plus three seventy five to plus five hundred. Blake Corum is down about plus four thousand, plus five thousand. Well, and, and and if you think about it, in twenty twenty one, they had Aiden Hutchinson there. In twenty twenty two, Blake Corum is almost a shoe in if he stays healthy. And I think Michigan's going to have an even better year this year. And so, again, I, I think they have somebody in New York. How, man, how incredible would that have been to be staring at potentially three Wolverines back to back to back making yeah. an appearance in New York? But I, I think you see one this year. I don't know. I, if you I had don't... to put money, if you had to put money on one, who is it? If I had to put money on one, I would probably pick Blake. I think I'm leaning towards towards nobody. And I no. think there's I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I just don't think JJ is going to be productive enough. Two, I think we're going to see more Donovan Edwards this year. That's going to eat into Blake's numbers. And three, so glad you said that. The running back position is it's hard to stay healthy for 12, 13 games, dude. It is. And yeah. if you're going to try to protect them by taking a little bit off Blake's plate, giving a little bit more to Donovan, hell, giving a little bit to, to some of these young backs, so you can have a healthy Donovan and a healthy Blake when you need it. Week 12, week 13 championship playoffs. Because neither one of them were healthy down the stretch last year. And so, I just think it'd be – it's not that they've gotten any worse or that I think any less of them. They're both plenty good enough to have the production to get there, the numbers we saw from Blake last year. But I think that's I think that's a tall task, you know, to ask him to stay healthy and to to just tote it enough when you've got two backs that are so freaking good, man. Like. Yeah, you know their their individual success is going to eat each other, eat the other one's individual success. I don't know. That's tough. You got an echo going, man. We echo need to here, yeah. So, so in short, you don't see a Wolverine in New York because you're a hater. I get it. No, I I get it. I get it. You're a hater. It's it's fine. We understand, Brandon. But I do want to stay on the running back topic. I'm glad you said that you think Edwards is going to make more of an impact this year. Yeah. I think uh, Edwards is also going to make more of an impact. This year, we saw what he did in limited action. We saw what he did when Blake Corum went down. That guy looks like a superstar. I mean, he's already, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure a lot of people in Ann Arbor are concerned, he's a Michigan legend for what he did against Ohio State. So I'm going to ask you this question, keeping in mind that we've seen that, you know, Edwards is the home run threat. He gets in the open field. There's not a lot of people that are going to catch him, which is why I was surprised about that, that TCU opening run. Nevertheless, who ends the season with more rushing yards in 2023? Is it Blake Corm or Donovan Edwards? Now, as a refresher, Blake Corm finished with 1,463 yards in 12 games last year. He averaged 5.9 yards per carry. Donovan Edwards, 991 yards, averaged 7.1 yards per carry in 11 games that he participated in. So who finishes the year with more yards? If they can both stay healthy, it'll still be Blake. Blake Blake Corum will still be your 1A. 
I, I think he's he's more of the I mean he's a senior captain. He's he's the he's the you know the the tough runner in between the tackles, although I don't even like to say that Donovan's not. I mean, you look at some like that dude, that long touchdown run he had against Purdue was one of the most beautiful between the tackles runs I've ever seen. Where he, uh, he was bouncing off defenders just, like a pinball. Just yeah. slippery, just enough to get off guys to break you know, break arm tackles. Dude, they're both so good. They're both so good. It just it just depends on who uh, who gets the ball more, and I think that's still Blake as the older guy, the you know coming back the returner, but it's coming off a knee injury, and so you wonder like what's that? Re- are they if you give them 50-50, I don't know how you call it. I I really don't, and I think the only way that Blake has a little bit of an edge in the production room is, or the production uh, column is if he just gets more carry. I, th- I think they're they're just so freaking good. Yeah, I will go Blake, but I don't think it's going to be by a lot. And if they if they really do, you know, try to split it close to 50-50, then it's a coin flip. I, I I don't know how you call it. That is the big variable. What what does the load look like in terms of carries? Who's getting what? I since you went with Blake and and you know I love Blake Corum. Yeah. Absolutely love the guy. I've done I've had the opportunity to do a couple things with it. I just big fan of him, not only for what he does on the field, but I mean blue collar guy, hard worker, captain, leader in every sense of the word. All of that being said, I'm going to go Donovan Edwards. And I think that Donovan Edwards, towards the latter part of last season, you saw what he did against Ohio State, you know, the, the, the MVP during the Big Ten championship game. He is a guy that is just so tremendously talented. He, he starts practically anywhere else in the country. It just yeah. so happens that Michigan has Blake Corum. But if they're spreading these carries close to 50-50, I just I think Donovan Edwards is more of a home run threat once he gets a seam that top end speed I just give yeah. him a little bit of an edge and for that reason I think we're going to get more big runs out of Donovan Edwards and I think by the end of the year you're going to see him slightly ahead of Blake Corum I know that the knee is a bit of a variable with Blake mm-hmm. he says he's healthy he's ready to go you never know how those things are going to work and 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 Donovan Edwards is not without injury either I mean he played Ohio State with practically one good knee uh, and, and did what he did. So it's a scary thought to think about how yeah. good both of these guys are going to be fully healthy. Give me the slight edge to Donovan Edwards in yards. You give you give Donovan the edge and the top end speed. I I think I give Blake the edge and maybe making a guy miss in the hole. Shifty. Yeah. Yeah. Vision. They're both they both have big runs that involve cutbacks way across the field. So you know the vision is there. You give Donald a slight edge as a receiver because he's a little longer, a little more fluid as a route runner. I think I'd probably give Blake a, a slight edge in terms of, you know, running through contact because he's more compact. He's probably a little stronger, a little bulk. Dude, they're they're incredible. It's an incredible yeah. one-two punch at running back. And I, I like I think it could be a coin flip if their carries and their touches are close. I really do. We've said it before, Michigan fans, enjoy what you're about yeah. to see this year out of the backfield because this, even though Michigan is recruiting good running backs and yeah. they're going to continue to have running backs. Good running backs. This, what you're seeing, Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards in the backfield together, this is something special. Enjoy it. Well, when Michigan sends both of those guys to New York for the Heisman ceremony, they'll they'll have their pick of the there we go. transfer portal. <laughs> you know, figure whichever back out there is a superstar but isn't getting enough touches or production, they'll yeah. be in a winged helmet next year. No, I go. it's just dude, you're right, dude. It's a it's a it's an embarrassment of riches, and I'm super pumped to watch it because they're gonna get it a lot. Both of them are gonna get yeah. it a lot, and we know that. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Chris, 
I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Uh, this might be this might be triple down, quadruple down, quintuple down. I'm gonna okay. give you the chance to do it again. Penn State is a harder game than Ohio State. Yes or yes. no? Yes. Dude, he's he's on the he's on it, folks. There he's is all over zero it. question in my mind that that Penn State game, even though there's some question marks, you know, most notably at the quarterback position with Penn State. I just think you go to Happy Valley. You've seen what that environment can do. Michigan's likely going to be going there as the number two, maybe the number one team in the country. We've seen, you know, college football is crazy. I could see a scenario yeah. where Georgia loses early. That is going to be a tough game. And when it, you know, when it comes to Ohio State, look, if Penn State has question marks, Ohio State has more. At least That's Penn State difference. knows who their starting quarterback is going to be. Ohio State isn't quite there yet. And then you add in some question marks on the offensive line. You look at what Michigan did to them uh, on the defensive side of the ball, at least you know in terms of Michigan's offensive line, how they bullied. Donovan Edwards was able to get whatever he wanted. J.J. McCarthy had a great game. And then you factor in the fact that it's back in Ann Arbor. I just don't see a scenario this year where Michigan loses to Ohio State. And so we've talked about it before, man, that this is the first year that I can remember. This is the first, I'll just, this is the first year I can remember going into a season, not fearing Ohio state and I'm knocking on wood. I know they're going to be good, but they're just, they don't have that. Holy shit. Ohio state is going to be a problem this year. I don't feel that. You know what I hate to say? I, first of all, I agree with you. The, but, but I hate to, I think 2023 Penn state, is so much like 2021 Michigan. So much like 2021 Michigan. With with the uh what's the with the advantage that they have their sophomore JJ McCarthy going right now cuz that's yeah. what Drew Aller is. Yeah. 2021 Ohio State, I'm sorry, 2021 Michigan got Ohio State at home, kind of imposed their will better defense than everybody thought. JJ was not really a factor. That's where I think Drew Aller, he's a problem, dude. He's a big athlete. He's 6'5". He can wing it all over the field. They've got tons of athletes and length and versatility on defense. They've got like a top three or five pick on the offensive line. I don't think across the board their offensive line is as good as Michigan's was in 2021, but they've got, yeah, there is that. James Franklin is kind of a clown. There is that. I, I think they've, they've got a lot of things in place to have a real shot yeah. this year because they're getting Michigan at home. If, they, they're they're going to have a boost at quarterback by the time that game rolls around. Sure. Yeah. It's, Let me ask you. So, so you're going, you're going Penn state. I am also. If both games were in Ann Arbor, would it change? Mm -hmm. Would it change the way you looked at it? Then, then we're saying all things equal. The Wolverines get both at home. Who do you think is a bigger problem? Let me ask it to you this way. I'll answer your question with a question. Who are you starting? Drew Aller, Kyle McCord, or Devin Brown? Drew Aller. Yep. So I'm taking no the Penn State. Yeah. Penn State. So you've got a yep. quarterback that can elevate other people and change a game and make a play. That's that's the team that I'm going with. And I, I think uh, – I don't know. I don't want to give him too much praise because Michigan's got to go in there and beat that dude. But I think he's, I think he's got a chance to be really freaking good this year. I yeah. do. Yeah, I do. So I'll, I'll, I'm coming around. You've said it. You've said just, it ten times by now. 
Are we just shitting State's on Ohio? Are we just completely no. like over the Ohio State, like allure, like top of the mountain king shit? Are we are we over that period of time yeah. with Ohio State now? Yeah, I think I think you can say that when you have back to back years where you you didn't just edge them out, like you beat the shit out of them. Yeah. And you're returning a better roster than what you had last year with Michigan. And there, there's no way you can make the case that Ohio State's returning a better team than what they had last year. And then yeah. they got to go on the road and play in Ann Arbor. So when you factor all that in, look, if I'll put it this way. If Michigan loses that final week of the year against Ohio State at home, it is going to be an upset. There's no doubt about it. The Wolverines will be favored in that game. Oh God, I can't wait. And um, I've got a lot of state winning, winning or losing what three or four games. I mean, we, we, you know, we've talked about what they have on their schedule. There's Notre Dame, there's Penn state. They, they've got losable games. And then you add in Michigan. So I think there's three losses right there. Notre Dame, Penn state, Michigan. We're going to, we're going to learn a little bit about Penn state right out of the gate too. They have West Virginia on Saturday. Yeah. Is so. that at home or on the road? I believe it's at home for Penn State, but I'm not positive on that. Um, They haven't played in a really long time. It's an old rivalry that they're renewing. I'm excited about that game. West Virginia hasn't been as good as they've been in the past, but, yeah, it's at at Happy Valley. So that that will be an interesting one. I mean – now, anytime you take on another Power Five team, you're certainly going to learn more than 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 a non-Power Five team. So that that'll yeah. be a good test to watch. I don't know that much about West Virginia to be completely honest, but I would I would assume that's a tougher test than any of Michigan's non-conference games, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to assume that. So, all right, and 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 Joe, that might be true that any quarterback can get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. We know he's an elite talent, but you know who's also pretty damn good? Will Johnson. Pretty good. Will Johnson. So, you know, if, if, and then if you're whoever, whether you're, uh, it doesn't matter what quarterback you are for Ohio State, you've got to deal with that Michigan front. You've got to deal with the edge rushers, Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore. You are going to have a lot to deal with facing this Michigan defense. Junior Colson at the linebacker position, Mike Barrett. You got the secondary with Rod Moore, Mike Sainristow, Will Johnson, Josh Wallace out there. You are going to have a problem running the ball and throwing the ball on this Michigan defense. Doesn't matter who you are. Marvin Harrison Jr. is really good, but I, I I've just never been I've never been the kind of football fan or I wide receiver just is not going to do that for a whole 60 minutes. I I just I'm I'm of that belief. There have been a couple in the history yeah. of the game who could. He might be that good, but I don't think I'm ready to say that just yet. And he, I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, he played last year at home against a freshman, Will Johnson. He didn't take the game over. He didn't give them an angle that Michigan just had no answers for. I had a pretty good quarterback in CJ Stroud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, build as one of, if not the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. And he looks actually pretty good for Houston, by the way. Threw his first touchdown to one Nico Collins the other night. Did you, you see go. that? I did see so, that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to downplay Marvin Harrison. The dude's a stud. He's gonna be like a top eight Correct. pick, probably as a wide receiver. Probably gonna play in the league for as long as his pops did. But I I don't know, but, man. I, I just don't think that's the kind year, of Michigan has studs too. A lot yeah. of them on, on the defensive side of the ball. Up front, you know, you, you talk about the secondary, the linebackers, the edge rushers, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, all these, Ray Sean Benny, all these guys up front, 
I just think this defense, and then you've seen what Jesse Minner is already capable of. I think this is going to be a special group. So Marvin Harrison had seven catches for 120 yards and a touchdown last year against Michigan, including, again, a 42-yard freaking drop-in-the-bucket touchdown yep. from C.J. Stroud. Can these new quarterbacks make that throw? I don't know. I don't. Ryan Day doesn't know. That's a problem. So, there. I mean, like, we'll see. I'm not. If I'm Michigan, I'm not scared of Marvin Harrison Jr. being the reason why we can't beat them. That's that's no. that's kind of the point I'm getting at. Yep. Is he the best receiver in the country? Yes. yes. Is he the first receiver off the board in next year's draft? Yes. Is he really freaking good? Is he gonna probably make some snags on Will Johnson, who's also a first round pick? Yeah. He's yeah. not enough for them to beat Michigan. He needs an O line and a quarterback. Not gonna happen. Yeah. That's that's where I that's where I fall on that. All right, my last one, Chris. And you might are you done? Because I we had one no, of the same ones. I've got one more. Okay. One more. My last one. It's it's getting way out over the skis. But when you look at what Michigan's done the last two years and what we expect this year, is this the year that they make it to the national championship game? I'm not let's talking about this. winning it yet, but get let, there. Let's do this. Let me ask mine first because yours feels okay. like a better question to end on, right? So okay, let's do it. Let's put a pause on that one. I want to switch back to the defense real quick. Back in 2021, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking specifically about edge rushers here, but it could be somebody else. In 2021, we saw Aiden Hutchinson break the record. He had 14 sacks. David Ojabo had 11. Last year, it was Mike Morris leading the team with seven and a half. So I'm going to ask you this. They've got Josiah Stewart. They've got Braden McGregor. They've got Jalen Harrell. they got Derek Moore. They've got some dudes in the edge rushing position. I'm curious. Who is Michigan's sack leader in 2023? And as a bonus, what do you think that number finishes at? I'm going to go with the same guy I went with last year, and it's Jalen Harrell. I love his athleticism, his bend. I've said it a bunch of times. He looks like a big running back in the 32 jersey. It's not your everyday number for an edge rusher, but I love how it looks on him. He, he's... To me, he's the most dynamic of that group. He's he's not as big as Braden McGregor. He's not as big as Derek Moore. Uh, I to be honest, I don't know a lot about Josiah Stewart. I'm curious to see what he looks like because he's been seems like as he's a, a bit undersized, but a little bit, a little yeah, bit. But I, I love Jalen Harrell's athleticism. I love, uh, like I said, his bend off the edge. He's got a little bit more flexibility, flexibility and quickness than those other two guys I mentioned. I'll go with Jalen Harrell, and I'll put it at about nine. I'll put it at about nine sacks on the season. You know, getting to double digits is, is hard to do. That's why the record was what it was at Michigan for yeah. so long. Um, for Michigan to have two guys do it in that year with Hutchinson and Ojabo, obviously, I mean, that's two first-round picks. Yeah, I love Jalen Harrell. I don't know if he's a first-round pick. So I'll put it at nine. I think he's your leader this year. But, you know, all four of those guys look good enough to start, and they're all going to get back there. I'll go with 32, nine sacks. You know, my brain agrees with you, Brandon. Um, I've since hopped on the Jalen Harrell train as well. I love everything about the dude, but my heart. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. My heart is with the guy overload. who is practically tatted all over his body, drip the visor, overload. the sleeves, the drip overload. I'm talking about Braden McGregor. Yeah, I feel like this guy has had to deal with injury. He's had to battle his way back. And really his coming out party has been delayed at Michigan. When I saw his high school film and when Michigan landed him as a recruit, I was 
over the moon that Braden McGregor was coming to Ann Arbor. And I think this is the year that people really get to see what he's fully capable of because he's just kind of played a supplementary role throughout his career to this point. He's aged, he's matured, he's healed at this point. I think it's Braden McGregor that leads the team in sacks this year. And I'm going to give him double digits. I'm going to put him wow. at 10 and a half for Braden McGregor. <laughs> and he might get he might get five and a half the first two or three weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah. What if Braden McGregor had dreads? That's the only thing. That's the only <laughs> knock I have against him is that he doesn't have dreads. Uh, luscious blonde dreads. <laughs> Listen. Have we ever seen I don't, such a thing? Oh, it's it's blonde rare, dreads? but it's out there. Yeah, it's oh. out there. You got to love a white who can just pull the I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> go with the the dirty blonde dreads. Do you Whether have it's, to love them though? No, well, yeah, you might not have to actually. What's <laughs> up, uh, bro? They're wearing uh, flip flops out on the beach. They're yeah, not, yeah, they're yeah. not stacking quarterbacks on Saturday. Right, right. Yeah, maybe, maybe walking around a bit. <laughs> Vagrant behavior. That's about all you get. Um. <clears throat> yes, yeah, CJ, a white. Uh, I am one, so I can say it. Um, please <laughs> right. don't. Please don't. Don't cancel Brandon week one, please, for the love of God. Don't cancel him heading into game week here. Um, listen, I will say this. We haven't seen we haven't seen the corner turned by Braden McGregor yet, but this this might be his year. The way they've yeah. the way the coaches have been talking about him and how confident he said he's feeling he's healthy again. I mean, he used words like I feel like myself again. I feel like I'm able to do the same athletic things I was doing in high school. Only now he's 40 pounds heavier and stronger. And, you know, look, I, I don't hate it. And I think you were right last year when you picked Mike Morris and I was like, yes. nah, Jalen Harrell. Yeah. So look, if Michigan can get a couple guys up near double digits again, then a couple blitzing linebackers and you start to stack those, just like we saw, you went from two guys, absolutely stuffing the stat sheet to the whole team contributing more and actually having more sacks as a defensive unit. Right. If they could do that again in year two under Jesse Minner, that, that would be big. And so, yeah, two guys like Braden McGregor, like Jalen Harrell, newcomer Josiah Stewart, like you said, that would be a formula for success on the defense. All right, back to my question to finish this out. We're at an hour and 20. What a, what a great way to start. It, ask it again because the Chardonnay's kicked in a little bit here, Brandon. Okay. I, I know it was about a national championship, but, but go ahead and ask it again. I stopped short of the national championship because I, I mean, I think ultimately like that's that that'll be the discussion when it's time. I just want to know, is this team built for the next, the next hurdle? Does this team finally win a playoff game and get into that title game? I mean, I think like we said, Michigan's going to be favored across the board. They get to that first, they should have been there last year. I mean, let's keep it real, man. They were supposed to beat TCU and they didn't. Not their best game. Couple of pick sixes. Really hard to overcome that. They almost did anyway. Can they get there? Can they get to the national championship game this year? Not can they. We know they can. Will they? Will they get there this year? I do think they get there. I think they get there. And I think a lot of, you know, there were a lot of factors at play last year. I mean, you had your, you know, your potential Heisman Trophy winning running back go down. I know that Donovan Edwards is not a bad replacement. You had J.J. McCarthy as a first-year starter. No, he was tremendously talented, led Michigan. You know, I mean, they won a lot of games with J.J. McCarthy. But when you look at where everything is this year, the returning talent, 80% of their production comes back. 
You've got now veteran quarterback J.J. McCarthy. You've got healthy Blake Corum, healthy Donovan Edwards. You've got Colson Loveland, with, who we haven't even talked about in this podcast. <laughs> Did we even might say be, his name? <laughs> we said, I think it got said once. once. But Colson Loveland might end up being Michigan's leading receiver this year. They are built on both sides of the ball to win a national championship. Will they? Obviously, that remains to be seen. But this is the first time in a very long time, like you've always had Michigan fans out there that say this is the year, this is the year, because we get excited and we're invested into the team. Objectively speaking, this Michigan team is built top to bottom to win a national championship now. And even when you look, yeah, is Georgia going to be good? They're absolutely going to be good, but they're not without question marks. Ohio State is not without question marks. Alabama is not without question marks. Michigan belongs in that conversation now. And I feel like when you look at, when you factor in, they might lose 20 guys to the draft after this year. This feels like everybody understands what this year is all about. And it's about, you've heard Blake Corum talk about it. Every single player you've heard in the, in the preseason interviews they've done that they put out on the Michigan official pages has talked about national championship. That's what this team is built for. They know it in Shem Beckler Hall. I do think they get there. And God damn it, Brandon, they win it. They win it because they have to. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think the path is, it's just, it's just, it's the same as it's been. I mean, you, you get to, whether you're a two, three, four seed, one, whatever it is, you're going to play a really good team. Last yeah. year, Lee, man, that was, that was it. They needed to beat TCU. Would they have beat Georgia? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, probably not. But they needed to beat TCU, and they didn't. You thought, okay, year one in the playoff, you run up against Buzzsaw Georgia, you lose in the first round. All right, year yeah. two, we're back in there, and now we got TCU. Let's go get it. in the. T and they couldn't get past that hurdle for whatever reason. I don't know if it's that month to prepare, overthinking. On, I, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but they were not ready for that TCU game for much of it. They made several uncharacteristic mistakes, and you know the result was another first-round exit. I don't know what it looks like this year. I don't know who that opponent might be. You see Clemson up there. You see Florida State. You see Bama, you see Ohio State, you see Penn State. Yeah. We've now seen a formula for, for, for two Big Ten teams to get into the playoff. So that's that precedent has now been set. I I'm with you. I think they get to the title game again this year. Is it Georgia? Is it Bama? Is it dude? Good, good, good God. Is it Ohio State, which we've talked about before? I think they get there this year. And you're right, man. 2023 feels like the stars have aligned in a lot of ways because you can ask one question. And I don't think it matters where you're from or where your allegiances lie or who you like or who you don't like. Who has got the least question marks on their team? It's Michigan. Yeah. And J.J. McCarthy's a massive reason for that because the other teams in the playoff are trying to figure out their quarterback. A couple of them still don't even know who it's going to be. And uh, I'm with you, man. I think they make it this year. And, I, dude, I just, I just want to start thinking about going to the national championship game already, but let, let's get, let's get to Saturday first. How about that? Should we do that? Uh, we can get to Saturday, but all I'll add to that is you said it, JJ McCarthy, NFL offensive line, yeah. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Colston Loveland, and a whole host of receivers that can do some damage. Go ahead. Try to stop the Michigan offense and we'll see if anybody can do it. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm with you. I mean, when you go through game by game, you're like, dude, they're not losing. They're not losing. Dub, yeah. dub, yeah. dub, dub. That's what it is.
That's what it is. Wednesday. How about that for a Monday show? How about that for a Monday show? Hour good. and a half, dude. Ooh. Hour and that's a half. How, that's how you open game week. We'll be back Wednesday. I've, what I'm is Wednesday? Back. What is Wednesday, Brandon? It's one of my favorite days of the week. It's one of my favorite shows of the week. Oh. You guys Man. know it out there. Fan-led Wednesday. Fan-led Wednesday. Fan-led Wednesday. You, we, Brandon and I, all we do is show up drunk. You guys yeah. bring the questions. You guys bring the topics. And you throw them our way, and, and we talk about whatever you guys want to talk about on Wednesday. So very, very excited for Fan-Led Wednesday to come back. Love that show. Maybe Fan-Led Wednesday needs to be affiliated with BuzzBalls. Maybe that's when... Fan-Led Wednesday brought to you by BuzzBalls, where that's Brandon when... and I just get drunk and take questions? That's when it needs to happen. The yes. killer bees. Brown, Bryler, BuzzBalls. BuzzBalls. <laughs> there you go. We'll be back on Wednesday, 7 o'clock, three shows a week. Yeah game show we're back 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 michigan's back. back we'll see you guys on wednesday